स्पाइस रेडियो और रेडियो रूम जिम सुन रही गपशप का प्रोग्राम है हमारी घड़ियों में बाद दोपहर के दो बजकर पाँच मिनट हुआ चाहते हैं आपसे लेके तीन बजे तक आपका और हमारा साथ रहेगा हमारे आज के इस कार्यक्रम में जिसका नाम बड़े प्यार से हमने गपशप रखा है क्योंकि बाहर का मौसम खुशनुमा है धूप छिटकी हुई है मैंने काफ़ी धूप सेकी है और आई एम फीलिंग वेरी हैप्पी ओ एंड द अदर रीज़न फॉर माई हैप्पीनेस इज़ कि आज स्टूडियो में मेल चौधरी आए हुए हैं हाउ यू डूइंग मेल आई एम ग्रेट हाउ यू डूइंग सो फार सो गुड सो I am attributing all the sunshine to you. I'll take that. You will take it because now you're doing family law. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sunnier in family law, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> And you're in sunny Surrey, as they say. Yeah. So you know, we opened up a brand yeah. new office. Yeah. So our head office is in Surrey now, mm-hmm. right across from Surrey Memorial Hospital. Oh wow! So it's a very prominent place. It's a really um, revitalized area it like, certainly is so i think the the plan there is to make it the downtown of surrey hmm. and it looks like it right if you've driven by there recently i attribute that to uh, the vision of diane watts when she was the mayor of surrey and she looked at the wally area and she talked to some developers of that time and one of them i knew him very well i still know him very well um the developer of teen share um and uh, he said to me he said i have these properties which is 108 to about 105 and that's what she was uh she had in her mind to make that area fantastic and she took the city hall um to 104 they they've done a really good job with that like yeah. when you when you think back of how it was oh, yes and now i think it's going to be an area that's going to be very much in demand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think the plan is for them to extend the skytrain station all the way down to sir memorial hospital i think they will even if they don't take the um, skytrain station they have rapid service over there it would really help people a lot and surrey is expanding so fast um faster than vancouver i think Yeah, so much landmass. Mm-hmm. Vancouver were very limited, but mm-hmm. in Surrey there's lots of opportunity, right? Many people have left Vancouver and um have started, you know, making sure that they are in the second largest city of British Columbia. You know, it's funny. So my wife has a friend mm-hmm. that they were kid friends from I want to say 2 years old. Oh yeah. So neighbors. Yes. Right? Um and she was over the other day and we're just talking about, you know, how they're still in touch from that age. but most people have moved away. So mm. we're we're in Vancouver not too far from Burnaby. Okay. And most people have moved away. So yes. that that was just something we were thinking about Surrey for example yeah. and other surrounding areas. Right. I remember uh when I first came here Surrey was boondogs. Nobody wanted to go beyond, you know, Patello Bridge or something like that. And but the South Asian community always great in thinking forward. bought lot of land there any parcel of land that was available they would buy it they would work hard families would stay together uh, and then they would just buy 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 and um by 1990 when they started revitalizing surrey they became millionaires overnight i think it's been it's ingrained isn't it in yes. the culture oh yes that um when possible you invest in land you have to have property and and i think that's a very fundamental um decision that south asians make you know like uh, like you're saying that for back in the day i think a lot of people thought okay there's a lot of 
Indian population in Surrey. Yes, yes. And I think what's happened with the Indian population as well is it, there's so much advancement. Oh, yes. Uh, in terms of all the different careers, mm -hmm. uh, different positions people are in. So everything is just so far advanced now. Mm -hmm. So I think that has something to do with it, too. Certainly has. Look at what's happening in England. I mean, we've got a prime minister who is uh, Indian. When did we think that was going to happen? <laughs> right? Even <laughs> if even if you think about that yes. five years ago. Yeah, no. That would have been shocking. It would have been. And, and look at it today. It's very interesting. When we were living in England, and I'm talking about the 60s, it was uh, an area where, you know, you could... You could smell discrimination. I mean, we're, we are doing our event, Raise Your Hands Against Racism. And I always, somebody asked me this question that, uh, when did you become aware of that, you, you know, that you did not get the position because you are a different color or it's racism? And my answer was, and still is, that we, my generation, who have come from East Africa or Fiji, for your parents, right? Right. That we've come from a land where we had never been first-class citizens. We were always second-class citizens, right? Right, colonization and then, brought there exactly. and so on. Yeah. And, and the aboriginals of that land are the third-class citizens, always. So in the middle were these Indians who were always sandwiched, no matter which country you go to, because they controlled the economy of the land. Um, so... I was always cognizant of the fact that I was not liked because of my color. So it didn't bother me. If I didn't get the job, it's okay. It, it, it's fine. You probably didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about no. it. You're right. Yeah, I think the m mentality might yeah. be that, oh, we're just going to put our head down yeah. and work as hard as we can. Yeah. If not this one, we're getting the next we, one. We, we'll get, and, and, and if I'm not going to get any other job, then if I have the gumption I will go and start my own. Right. So I started, um, graduated from law school back in 2001. Yes. And I was articling in Calgary, Alberta. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was there in Calgary from about 2002 until about 2004. Right. Back then in Calgary, in terms of new lawyers, there weren't many visible minorities. No, I bet not. No. And um, so it was, it was interesting. Yes. But I never really sat there and thought that, you know, there's not too many other minorities. Right. I just have my head down. I'm yes. going to do what it takes to, to, to finish my progress, and, progress yeah. my career. You know, that's my thought process. But looking back and you can kind of reflect. Yeah. And I'm sure you can more mm. than anybody mm. pioneering in this industry that you're in. That, you know, there's a lot of inroads that have been made, right? You know, you have to do it. Someone has to do it. And if you're not the one who's going to be able to do it, then assist someone else who can do it. Right. I always think that. Um, maybe I think I was in a position where I didn't have any other option but to forge a way for myself. I knew what I could do. And I knew there was a need for that. I didn't have the means. I've never heard that second part. If you are not the one to do it, then help someone else do it. Yeah. That's such a good uh, way of thinking. I think I think it is. I, I feel that I have looked at, uh, I couldn't get a job as a on-air um, conventional radio or television station announcer. But I knew 
the community had beautiful young women and men that can be that face on television and that voice. And I'm very proud to say, well, I shouldn't be that proud. My mother would say, why are you so proud? <laughs> we have helped, this company has helped close to about 10 people who are now the faces of our community on television and radio. Probably even more. Could be. Behind the scenes, yes. indirectly. Oh, yes. Yes, certainly. Okay, enough of, I am, it's, I am talking about ourselves because we are doing our event and it's, it's piping me up. <laughs> How are you doing otherwise? I'm, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so last, I haven't been here for about a couple months. That's right. So Adam from, from my office, one of my That's right. partners came one time and yes. we weren't able to make it last time. Right. So I had a trial and mm -hmm. you and I were talking about this offer. That's right. You said I'm going to be in this trial. Yeah. But kind of interesting to share with the listeners, yes. right? Yes. So the way the trials work is it's booked years, years in advance. So typically, you know, me and the other lawyer on the other side will look at our calendars and the assistants will pick something like three different dates mm -hmm. and they could be two to three years down the road. Sometimes longer, and I hate to admit that, oh but just God. the way the schedules are, sometimes it's even a little bit longer. Um, so then what happens is the courts don't book the dates mm. until 18 months before the actual 18 date. 18 months. That's right. So if you've given them three dates and yeah. they are a few months apart, they will wait for 18 months to the date. Exactly. Holy mackerel. And, and then how it happens is that at that 18-month mark, before the booking date, right? right? So you're, you're looking at a date 18 months from now. Mm. Uh, you have to call in the beginning of the month. Okay. So it's, it's, it's almost like a lottery system. You call in, and if you get through, if you're lucky enough, then you ask, is there a date available in these parameters? Wow. And if there isn't, then you got to wait for the next month. Because you got to remember, they open up every 18 months, right? Wow. So now you've got to think about 18 months from the next month, so the 19th month. So you got to call in again. And if there's nothing available, you do it again. So for a period, it was happening that you'd call in every month and there'd be nothing available. So that's how it gets pushed back. So what's going on in the, um, in the legal system? I, I guess there's not enough judges. Um, but, you know, I, there were some hires that were made yeah. not too long ago. So you always think, okay, they've, they've done something now and it's okay. But for whatever reason, so just about this trial date, so everything was ready to go. It's scheduled, you know, years in advance. And then you've got to schedule your experts. And it's a personal injury case. So my poor client, he's ready. He's prepared. You know, he's, it's a big thing being mm. in court and talking about something that you've gone through because of this injury. So he's ready. Um, we show up and there was no judge available. And it wasn't just me. Uh, there were about, I'd say about four other cases at least. Mm. And then what ends up happening is you have to s sit there and you wait just in case a judge might become available. Because sometimes what happens is there's settlements last minute or let's say the case starts, but the judge just realizes, well, these people aren't ready yet. So you wait for an hour and then basically then we were told that there's no judge available. And what they will do usually is they'll book more trials than judges available. And the reason for that, though, is there is a reason for that. It's because cases settle, right? And they know that. So they want to maximize. They don't want to have a judge just sitting there and there's no trial. No. Of course so they'll not. overbook. And that makes sense. But it's just so hard for the client, right? And then you sit there 
and then the trial, we, we luckily got another trial date this year. Oh, late, that's good. Later in the year. But if you can't do that, could you imagine? Then you're waiting another two it, years. Holy mackerel. And this this is an ICBC case. This is an ICBC case. And, and then, um, so we've got experts. Right. So the experts are booked. And I don't blame the experts. They've yeah. got cancellation policy. Yes. So what ends up happening is you have to pay the oh. cancellation fees. So like, this is an ICBC case. So I'm confident I'm going to get it back from ICBC. But could you imagine if it wasn't an ICBC case and you've got just individuals and then you've got these cancellation fees and they've got to pay for these things out of their pocket? Holy mackerel. This is a broken system, I think. Well, it goes up and down. Sometimes it's better than other times. I'm hoping this was just a bad, bad time. That's all. Maybe Mercury was retrograde. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take a short commercial break and then come back uh, to Mel. Uh, If you have any questions, we're going to be talking about family law today. Yes. And uh, and we'll bring the topic in. And then if you have any questions, 604-280-1200. 604-299-8863 are our telephone numbers. Spice Radio or Radio Room Jim Sindriya, Gapshap ka program hai. Aur aaj humare saath Mel Chaudhary hai, jo ki Simpson, Thomas and Associates ke saath taluk rakte hai. Aur aaj hum baat karne ja rahe hai family law ke baare mein. So, let's differentiate. I mean, we've been, we've been doing this program for good, what, four or five years now? Yeah. And we've been talk- we've been talking about ICBC, and I've been bashing ICBC most of the time. I think that's one of the things that you take most pleasure in. Right? <laughs> I just yeah. love it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I like it because do you know that I've had when I first came here, we had so many accidents, right? So it because of that, and and I never got a, a good deal from them. Okay, so but then I, you can't clap with one hand. You gotta have two hands to clap. So I never went for any of my physio appointments. I didn't want to do it. You didn't have the time. Didn't have the time. You know what would be interesting? Mm. Like we've gone to this no fault system now. Yes. I'm wondering what the listeners have to, what they think about it. Yeah. Like what has their experience been? Yeah, I would like I would like our listeners to come up and tell us good stories and bad stories of no-fault insurance. Yeah, no judgment. Just yes. It's kind of nice to know the practical reality what the everyday, you know, everyone experiences. Mm. I get a lot of calls, so I might be a little bit skewed on the negative side. Yes. Because what ends up happening is people will call me and they'll talk about their negative experiences. That's or, right. And can I help them take on the case? And usually I can't. Yes. Now, you know, if it was a serious case, you would take it. Uh, it depends. Yeah. Even in the very, even in serious cases, there's some cases that maybe we can take. Yeah. But a lot of them we can't. That's so. That's what they mean by no fault. Yeah. It just, for the most part, it doesn't matter. I was just thinking, and this is me. You know, when I have nothing else to think about, I can think about things like this. Don't you think this is fundamentally against a person's right? It, it very much limits their rights compared yes. to what, you know, the usual, if, if you don't have um, legislation limiting mm. us, mm. then again, you know, the, what the rights a person would have is very much restricted. Um, and, and just to give you an example, how do, and, we, how do we know how much, how restricted it is? Mm. Well, if you're hurt because you're involved in a motor vehicle accident in BC, 
versus let's say you're um, you know you have a slip and fall. As mm. long as you can prove fault for the slip and fall, you're going to have so much more in the way of damages compared to an ICBC, an ICBC accident. Case. Oh. Yeah. So we we stay, still take personal injury cases. Right. Right. So for example. Um, there's some product issue and a person gets injured because of that. Um, you know, I've had a case where a window fell on, on a person hmm. um, who was just sitting there minding her own business. Yeah, and the window falls on her. Yep. Um, so there's all sorts of cases we can still take, but unfortunately it's the motor vehicle accident cases that are very limited and restricted. And and if there's a disability case, can you take those? We can, yeah. Mm-hmm. So disability insurance cases, we mm-hmm. take those as well. Right. Um, we take uh, employment law. Yeah. Um, if there's a contractual insurance dis- disagreement. Right. For example, somebody's house burns down and the insurance company is being very uh, unreasonable and not wanting to pay them, that sort of thing. Mm. So let's divide the program in two. Let's talk about family law a little bit. Maybe, you know, spousal support and and um, who who fits that bill? What is the profile of your client at this time under family law? What what do you do? What can you do? Who can you help? So from now on till about quarter to three, we'll do that. And then I would like to ask you about you know other things that people can um, can ask. You know like disability and, and other claims. Sure. So let's start with uh, spousal support. Yeah. So who 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 could be a, a client for something like this? Unfortunately, anybody can, right? Yes. Um, I mean, divorce, um, separation, those sorts of things affect people in all all walks of life. So really, my client can be anybody. And how I get my clients is, you know, word of mouth, uh, recognition. People see, you know, maybe hear hear us on the radio, that sort of thing. Um, I've represented somebody and their family friend recommends me, that sort of thing. Hmm. So um, if you're going through a breakup, hmm. one of the issues that may come up is spousal support. I see. So spousal support means um, some kind of financial contribution from one spouse to the to other okay. uh, to kind of make up for or deal with the breakup of the relationship. Right. So first thing is entitlement. So if you are in a relationship, you get divorced or separated. Mm-hmm. Is everyone entitled to spousal support? Mm-hmm. No. So the main reasons for entitlement will be based upon a couple of different scenarios. One is compensation, mm. compensation model. So that would be if one spouse kind of sacrificed their own career their mm. own earning potential mm. for the family mm. or the other spouse. So one scenario might be, and this is a common one, mm. let, let's say it's a, a setting where one spouse is working, mm. uh, the other one stays home and takes care of the kids. And then years later, they split up. Mm. Kids are older, mm. so that they're not in the picture anymore, but they split up. Mm. And the one spouse who uh, was taking care of the kids um, has a lot less in earnings mm. because, you know, instead of going to work or going to school and building their career over time, what they did is they spent their time doing something just as valuable, mm-hmm. taking care of the kids in mm-hmm. the home. Mm-hmm. 
So what usually happens in that circumstance is the other spouse is going to earn a lot more money yes. by the time they separate. So that's a basis for which you can be entitled to spousal support. Okay, so that's one. Uh, another one is more needs-based. So it used to be hardship. So right. if, if hardship... <coughs> If hardship arises because of the breakup of the marriage. Yeah. So um, in that situation, maybe you don't have kids in the, in the picture. Maybe you don't even have one spouse sacrificing so the other can do better. Right. Right? So l- let's think of that scenario. So there's no kids, but let's say one spouse needs to relocate all the time mm. to advance his or her career. Right. And the other one goes along with it. So in that situation, the one spouse is sacrificed, right? So they'd probably be entitled to something because of their sacrifice. Now, if there's a situation with no kids, no sacrifice, but one, for whatever reason, is just doing a lot better than the other spouse. Mm-hmm. So one is maybe working and earning minimum wage. The other one is making 100000 a year. So in that circumstance, if they've been married long enough, there's going to be most likely entitlement. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is because of that marriage breakup, mm. the one who's earning less is going to have a much lower standard of living mm-hmm. as a result of the breakup of the marriage. Wow. So so hopefully the picture is coming clear in terms yes. of when a person might be entitled to spousal support. It can, it can, um, it can affect either way, right? I mean, male or female. It doesn't necessarily have to be that the male has to give support to the female. There are cases in which female is making way more money than the male, and and there's a breakup, and the partner, the male partner, sacrificed some of their uh, ambitions to go forward and assist the wife, which is very rare. Yeah. But that can also happen, right? Yeah, it can definitely happen. But it's funny, like when I'm talking about these scenarios, I think most people, when they're listening to it, they automatically assume the person who's going to be paying is the male, male yeah. and the female will be receiving. No, but, but you're right. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that No, way. it doesn't. I mean, we know of many people who have had um, males, you know, looking after. There's a family that, that has, uh, and they're very close friends of ours, and the husband just loves cooking, is a great chef, loves to stay at home, and the wife goes and makes the money. And if they ever divorce each other, which I don't think they will, uh, it'll be the wife paying the husband money because he just he wanted to open up his own restaurant. Right. But instead, he's staying at home, looking after the kids and cooking. Yeah, and, and the family is yes. bene- benefiting from it. Benefiting that, right? from it, yes, yes. So, so the other thing is like, so... Let's say a cert- there's a circumstance where the difference of income is so high. Mm. So clearly when they break up, if there's no division of the higher spouse's income, right. there's going to be a big change in living standard, right, for the other person. For sure. So that's that could be a grounds mm. for entitlement as well. Now, uh, some people would say uh, you had that kind of a living standard basically because the other partner was making more money and you were not. So why would you continue living the same lifestyle when you're not with that person? Yeah, and it's that's not without any support, yeah. right? And like you, you say that, and it kind of you can kind of make make some sense of that. Yes. So there is um, a principle that you have to work towards self sufficiency. 
So it can't be that once you're in this relationship, uh, you just put your hands up and say, that's it. I'm not doing anything else. Yes. I Give me money. It. Yeah. E- exactly. Yeah. So you do have to work towards becoming self-sufficient. Okay. But just going back to what you're saying, well, it's it's kind of seen like the longer people are married together, mm. right, or they're together in a marriage-like relationship, you're more and more bound to one another. It's almost like an understanding mm. that, okay, this is... This is, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing it for the family. And the understanding just becomes that, you know, we're, this is a joint venture. And the longer you're together, the more th- that kind of thought process be- is, is apparent, right? It's a joint venture. I also was thinking, I think you should clarify here for our listeners who are not, maybe, maybe they all know it, but maybe some don't, that if you are in a live-in relationship, there are rights for both the people, um, like a married couple. There are. And, and what the legislation talks about is a marriage-like relationship. Right. And it kind of, you know, in, in common language, uh, you, would, you would think about the term common law relationship. That's right. So basically what happens there is if you're living together in a marriage-like relationship for two years or longer, then the other partner or the two partners have some obligations towards each other. So even though there's no piece of paper saying we're married, the law will look at you as if you are married in certain circumstances. Okay, I have a few questions on that topic. Okay. Can we uh, uh, look into that right after this short commercial break? Yeah, sounds good. And in the meantime, if you have a question about this or about any other thing, including ICBC, give us a call. 604 604- 280 1200. 604 280 1200 is that telephone number? And if you want to talk to Mel, uh, Mel, what is your telephone number? Uh, 604 668 9688 8888. Uh, Mel, uh, the question, and then we can talk about that as well. Sounds good. Okay. All right. So I wanted to ask you about common law. Now, uh, common law, usually when they have children, they try to get married. But some people do not get married. So they would they have the same kind of rights or... Um, same kinds of rights if they wanted to separate and wanted um, their children to be looked after, who would look after the kids and all that? Is it just like a married couple? It is. So if you meet the definition of marriage-like relationship, yes, you're going to be treated pretty much the same way. Okay. And a marriage-like relationship, if you are living with somebody for two years plus. Right. And, and sorry to use that word. Yeah those words, <laughs> but I'm quoting the legislation. So that's why people probably are listening, why is he using weird like weird words like marriage-like? Yes. Well, it's in the legislation. And does it sound confusing? Well, it is a little bit confusing, right? But um, so sometimes the hard part is to figure out, well, is it a marriage-like relationship? <laughs> Seriously. And it's hard to know. So one part of it, because let, let's say... Okay, they haven't had any children, so it's not marriage-like. When you get married, you have kids. 
But even when you don't have kids, it could be marriage-like. Yeah. So, for example, uh, you know, a, a kind of an important consideration is do people live together? Mm. So that's an important consideration. Mm. But just because you live together doesn't mean you're going to meet the definition. Mm. What if, you know, they live together sometimes but or, or even most of the time, but they still don't really behave like a married couple? Mm. Or there uh, could... Yep. The definition of... Behave like married couple. Right. And it could be that people don't live together, but they might fit in this definition. Yeah. And it's very fact-specific. So if you ask me, Mel, give me the definition. Yeah. Pinpoint it for me. You can't. I can't do that. It's basically you look at a whole bunch of different factors, and you can see how important it might be, right, if it's marriage-like, and when did it start? Do people, when they go in front of, in court... Do they dispute? One party might dispute that we are not marriage. We are not a couple like married like couple. Yeah, they or do. or even more important, you know that that one probably at some point, reasonable minds should be able to agree whether it is marriage like. Yes or not. But the bigger one would be when did it start, mm. and when did it end? Mm. So separation date, which is key, and when was the commencement of that relationship? Because if you're not together for two years, then a lot of these rights won't apply, right? Mm. Or it could, like, one of the big things of property division. Mm. So if two people are bringing property into a relationship together, mm-hmm. well, if you're bringing it from before, and as long as you haven't, you know, given intention of gifting it to the other person, then what ends up happening is that's excluded from division. Mm. But what's not excluded is the increase in value of that property during the relationship. No kidding. No. And, and then what's happened here in BC? Our property values over the last 10 years. Have gone up. Yeah. So somebody could have brought in, um, you know, this great house into the relationship 10 years ago. Yes. And now they're splitting up. Yes. Well, just because you brought it in the relationship doesn't mean like that increase in value in the last 10 years, that's going to be divided. So then you get into the issue of, well, when did we start living in a marriage-like relationship, Mm. right? Um, The sooner, the better (laughs) for the person wanting uh, part of that increase in value. That's right. And the other person, well... Later than better. Yeah, 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 later the better. Yeah. So that's a very interesting issue that'll come up. Isn't that uh, um, a mind-twisting sort of, you know, scenario? And and then the other thing is, when did the separation occur? Yes. Yeah, go go ahead, man. Yeah, so when the separation uh, issue, I mean, it it could be that um, one person thinks they're separated earlier, another person thinks they're separated after, and what if somebody uh, the increase in value in in some a business, for example, is so high and it happens later in the period. So the person uh, who says it, they separated earlier, Mm. um, you know, will want to say it happened earlier because they don't want to split that value that's increased later, Ah. whereas the other spouse will want to say it's later. I want to quickly take a short commercial break. Sure. And um, a caller has called in. I'm a little confused on the question, but maybe you can make some sense. Uh, out of this question. So let's take a very short commercial break and we'll be right back. Spice Radio, Radio Room, Jim Sundry. I've got a program here. 604-280-1200, 604-299-8863. 
You've got a question and I have a question. So, yeah. So, um, you know, there's a caller and uh, one question that, well, I don't really see a question, but it's more of a statement. So we'll try to glean a question from okay. here and, Perfect. And, and talk about something that, might, you know, might be of interest here. Sure. So basically, he got married in his own country mm-hmm. a very long time ago. Now he's in Canada. Right. Uh, and, I, and I believe with somebody new yes. for over the last, let's say, 30 years or so. Right. Whatever, long time. And then the prior relationship where he got married with somebody in his other country, the first yes. country, he was already divorced. He's so he, divorced. So then he moves here. Mm. He's in a new relationship for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. So there's no question post. Mm-hmm. It's just those facts are given. Mm-hmm. So one concern that he, the person may have is, well, can my old wife mm. come back and make some claim? Mm. So it's going to depend in, uh, you know, the, the law in the country where you got married, right? Okay. But, but here, mm. what ends up happening is there is a limitation period. Okay. So once you're divorced. Yeah. So, okay. so basically it's two years from the date of the divorce order. Divorce order. Order. Not from the day that you separated. Yeah. So yes and no. Okay. So if you're legally married, then it's two years from the divorce order. Hmm. Now, if you're in a common law, marriage-like relationship, then of course there's not going to be a divorce order because you're, you're not, you don't have a certificate of That's marriage. That's right. Yes. In that case, it's two years from the separation. Ah, okay. So I, you know, that's kind of an interesting issue, isn't it? Yes. Because let's say you're separated and you don't do anything Mm. for a long time. Well, you know, there's some arguments you can make, Mm. but by and large, you're really risking losing everything if you haven't done anything by that two-year mark. Ah. And, you know, I've kind of run into this for for somebody recently Uh where, you know, not much has has been done. Right. And luckily... Uh, and this is kind of an interesting side point. Mm. Because of COVID, there's an extension of the two years. Oh, really? Yeah. So so basically, if you're, um, you know, if you would have uh, had to have started an action, mm. this person got the extension until the end of next week. Mm. So luckily, they've talked to me. <laughs> mm. And I'm, you know, pulling everything together. And we'll get something filed in court before then. So we'll protect their, their rights. Protect both their rights. Uh, the one spouse's rights. The one because who's I your represent, client. I represent the one person, right? Now, here, here is a question with a little bit of a twist. You're married, but you separate. And then you start living with somebody else and a live-in relationship. And that relationship, after four or five years, goes down the hill. Do both... The partners, the married partner and the the one that was common law, do they both have a right over the person who is divorcing or separating on their property and their income and everything? Okay, now my head's hurting. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good question. It is a very good question. Uh, and and um, it has come up, actually. Really? Yeah. No yeah. kidding. Yeah, I've got a case like that. Um, so basically, the fact scenario there, and this is, this can easily happen. Mm. Okay, so let's think about this. So let's say let's say somebody is is married, mm. right? They get separated, mm. but for whatever reason, they're not in a big rush. They're not in a big rush to to, to do the divorce order. Yeah, but they're living separate and apart. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, 
And now this person who's separated mm. gets into a new relationship. Mm. And it's a marriage-like relationship. Mm. They're not legally married to this no. new person because they're, they're still married to the old person. <laughs> but now they're in a marriage-like relationship because they're living together, right? Yes. So now new rights accrue for this person. <laughs> yes. So it's, it is possible. Yes. And it, and it happens. Yeah. Because... He, he's on on the hook for both the relationships. Because what ends up happening sometimes is you just don't get around to doing this or <laughs> or it's uncomfortable, right? Let's say they've got kids from the prior marriage and they just don't want to go there for whatever reason. Yeah. And they don't end up getting the divorce order. And there is a, an Indian saying in Hindi, Kal kare so aaj kar, aaj kare so ab. Okay. <laughs> so something that you were going to do tomorrow, do it today. Yeah. And something that you want to do today, do it right now. <laughs> that's that's a very wise saying. <laughs> Let's get a, a caller on line one. Line one, how are you doing? I'm good, Sushmaji. How are you? So far, so good. Now that you've called, even better. Okay. Um, I have a question about ICBC. Hanji. There is a person, he gets injured in a automobile accident. And... Uh, he was on EI. Mm. So his EI benefits run out. Just because of this injury now, he cannot go back to his previous job. So will ICBC compensate anything for that? Uh, hi, caller. Uh, hi. Yeah. So, so was this person on EI before the motor vehicle accident? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So as long as the evidence supports, so the doctors, right? If the doctors support that, uh-huh. the, that the reason uh, this person is, is not back to work now is because of their ICBC accident, uh-huh. then they should be able to get um, wage loss from ICBC. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. 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 And the law has changed now. So it's what it is, it, it basically while the person is totally disabled, so while they are off work, Okay. Then, then ICBC. So you have to have a doctor's letter. Yes. So, so whenever you're missing time from work, you know, people in, in these in this circumstance, make sure you keep the doctor notified, right. right? And let them know that, well, why are you not back to work now? So the doctor has to be able to support you that it's the accident-related injuries. Thank you very much. Thanks for your information. Thank oh. you, Sushma Ji. Thank you, Ji. Thank you for calling in. You're welcome. 604-280-1200-604-299-8863. Um, he's, he's brought the ICBC thing into it, so we can talk about that a little bit as well. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's my favorite topic. But having said that, there is, um, you want to talk a little bit more about, you know, claims, personal injury, injury claims that people can come and see you guys about. Yeah, so like, like I was mentioning, like there's, a, you know, I, I had a claim where um, my client was just sitting in this, this establishment mm. and this glass fell on her. Mm. And, you know, the idea was, did this company who owned the building and was running the business, did they do something that mm. was negligent, mm. right? And when you first think about the case, you think, well, what could they have done that was negligent? Mm. I mean, sometimes these things just happen. So in that situation, it was the the window was part of this assembly where you can open and close it, and there were some problems with that window beforehand, uh-huh. and they tried to get it fixed. But it wasn't fixed. But clearly, they didn't fix it right. Mm. 
Um, so that's a situation that's kind of an odd situation mm. where you can make a personal injury claim, right? Uh, another one that's and was was she hurt? Um, I'm worried about the woman. Was she hurt badly? She was, but you know, considering um, what her injuries were yeah. and and where she is now, yeah, it, that it was a good outcome that way. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then slip and falls, mm. right? So whenever a person slips and falls, then you got to look at, well, was there negligence? Did somebody do something wrong? Sometimes people will just be walking on the street. And there'll be something minor on the roadway, you know, like let's say the curb is or the sidewalk is a little bit raised. Mm. There is some obligation on you to, you know, look where you're going, right? So um, you can't make a claim for everything. Really? Yeah. Why can't I? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, there was a time uh, once I was walking to a restaurant, uh, and this was in Fraser Street, and their little pathway, which wasn't their own, it was the government's, I mean, the cities had a huge, uh, you know, um, division in between two um, platforms. That's different, though. So what I'm talking about is something really minor, right? Mm. But if there's something significant like Mm. that, Mm. then there's possibly a claim there. I did fall down and I did scrape my leg, but then I was so embarrassed that I fell down that I didn't do anything about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so in that case, that would be the city's fault because they should have, you know, either... Uh, but I must say that after my fall, uh, the next time I was around that area, I did see a red paint on that um, slab. So that's actually helpful for you. Yes. Because somebody recognized something was wrong here. Right. And then after the fact, they changed it. Yes. Why did they change it? Well, because something was wrong. Yes, right? that's right. Um, <laughs> so that's actually a bit, that's more helpful for you. Right. Um, so yeah, there, it all depends on what it is. So when it comes to the city, for example, mm. you brought up that case. Mm. So if something like that happens, you have to give the city written notice within 60 days. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And if you don't and- do that, you, you can lose out your right to bring a claim. So you, you can bring it to the attention of the city and say, this is what happened. And do you blame them right in that first letter? Or do you just say, this is what happened? Can you s- advise? You can you can basically say um, that, you know, it's through somebody's negligence hmm. that this uh, hazard has been created. Hmm. And I injured myself on this date, this hmm. time. And these are my injuries because of this. And these are my witnesses. If you yeah. have that, yeah. Yeah, you can provide that. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, you know, how long does it take them to respond? Usually they'll give you a reply. Like sometimes they have things set up online and then right away they get, you get an automatic reply saying we acknowledge receipt. Okay. But they won't respond, you mm. know, maybe for a couple of weeks. I see. Maybe even longer. Even longer. Yeah. 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 But you are within your right because you've already gotten a confirmation from them that it's before 60 days of your injury claim. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, you also talked about a little bit about, um, like, the cases that WCB looks after. Do any of those cases come to you? So, you know, we eventually might take mm. WCB cases, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to depend, right? Mm. But right now, we're not doing a lot of that work. Um, so, you know, most, but what's happening is we're expanding our services. Right. So, you know, the goal is eventually become a full service firm. So one interesting thing you bring up ICBC, well, Mm. something that that just tweaked in my mind is 
the whole issue of, well, can you make any ICBC claims anymore? Mm-hmm. So other than just getting um, therapy paid for and your income while you're disabled. Right. It, so it's not going to be an ICBC claim anymore. Uh-huh. But initially, the government provided a loophole saying that, well, you can still bring a claim in certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. And they are. So an example would be if um, you're at a bar mm. and the bar serves too much alcohol. Mm. As a result, the driver goes and hits somebody else. Right. And the argument there would be the, the bar was negligent mm-hmm. for serving this person too much alcohol. So mm. you would sue the driver and you'd sue the bar. Right. So that's one example. Another example of, is if the driver who causes the accident is doing something illegal, mm. like criminal code illegal. So that means they're driving while they're intoxicated and they're convicted of a criminal offense. Hmm. So in that situation, you can sue somebody. Another one would be a highway maintenance uh, contractor. Right. Right. So let's say you're driving on the road and it's just horrible. And, you know, it, it's nobody's done anything to make the road better. And they should have known about this. Then in that circumstance, you could sue somebody. But the things that you can sue for are really limited now. Mm. So it used to be you can suffer for income loss, Mm. future income loss, future therapy. Now the only thing you can sue for is what they call non-pecuniary losses. Non-pecuniary. So so that means not something you calculate uh, mathematically and not something that's for a specific loss, but more for pain and suffering. So now, you know, I'll get calls from people and they'll say, well, can I still bring a claim? Well, it's very uh, small circumstances that are exceptions that are made. Mm. And even if you get there with those small exceptions, what you can claim is smaller. Mm. You can't claim income loss. You can't claim therapy. You can only claim pain and suffering. And pain and suffering, I guess they have put it down to a like minimum amount. Well, uh, pain and suffering would be your loss of enjoyment of life. <laughs> so, you know, that's a, that's a, it could be a large amount, but it'll never, it won't be as big as income loss mm. for somebody who's, you know, losing income for the rest of their life, right? Right. I mean, if it's a soft tissue injury, uh, you know, and you might be around 50,000, mm. maybe, mm. but it depends. Each case is different. So if people wanted uh, to talk to you, Mel, uh, where can they get hold of you? Uh, 604 604 689 689 8888 8888 they can call you and ask for you yes and your offices are now in surrey yeah so we've got our head office in surrey right yes. across from surrey memorial hospital mm-hmm. and we also have an office downtown vancouver right across from the courthouse okay yeah and they were distributing some tickets uh, around there uh, a week ago and close to about 15 people got tickets because they were distracted drivers. I don't want to ask you how you know. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't get one. No, 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 no. I am a very good driver. I am driving, no looking at my phone. <laughs> this, was, this was a report on television. And somebody needed to make a quota. They just stood there and just caught 15 people on their phone. You know, I think that's how they kind of uh, get those items that that's are right. not so well known about. <laughs> They, that's what they do. They'll, like, for example, there was one case um, that I was involved in where uh, the police were on a corner. Oh, yeah. And what was happening on that corner 
is people would come up and instead of stopping before they make their right turn, right. they would roll through. Just roll through. Yeah. And it was a bit of a hazard for, oh. for pedestrians. So one day, a police officer, maybe a couple of them, huh. just camped out there, uh, out of sight. Yeah. And they just issued tickets left and right. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, Mel, we'll see you on Sunday. Sounds good. All right. With that, we come to the end of our show. We'll be here tomorrow. Or yeah, the Kikal Friday Kadin has is gonna be here doing the tarot reading. And on Sunday, we will see you, Mel, and all our other guests at the Surrey Art Gallery. I'm looking forward to it. With that, we come to an uh, to the end of our show, stay tuned for Drive Home Grind with DJ Flight and Maya right here on Spice Radio and your requests with Nutan on Radio Rimchak.